The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Yes, sir, everybody. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is your host, David Yaz. I hope all is well. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. We got a terrific show for you today. My good buddy, Bob Lee, is here. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com slash careers. The U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. We've got a list of podcasts you should be listening to. in Revisionist History. Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. Season four, episode one. Exciting. Yep, uh, it, that that just dropped, and it's a, it's about uh, a subject near and dear to your heart, Dave. As a, as a, <laughs> a, you said, you were you went to law school. I assume you took I the did. the LSATs. Yeah, you bet, I did. And uh, this is also close to me. You know, as a, as a, your personal psychometrician. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. I, I'd like to I'd like to maybe explain a little bit about how how tests work and and Ooh, what he he's, like he's takes he takes a deep dive and you know Malcolm, Malcolm I think he's he's muckraking here he's muckraking yeah he's <laughs> he's poking the bear right he's 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 mm-hmm. try, I mean that's what he's going back in things in history and looking at it a, a different way um, that might be oversimplifying what he's doing but let's take a listen to uh, the episode that just came Pu- out Puzzle right? Rush it's called Puzzle Rush yeah here it is. It's 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, a little chilly, deep in downtown Manhattan. Streets are empty. I'm standing on the sidewalk with my assistant, Camille Baptista. First of all, Camille, um, I need to know, did you, did you sleep well last night? I did sleep well, yes. I, I did not. Really? <laughs> I, I got almost no sleep, and I had a nightmare about the LSAT that I left before it was over. I had an exam nightmare from high school, essentially a high school exam. You left before it was over. I had a nightmare about the LSAT that I walked out before the test was over. Oh, but my nightmare was just beginning. Ooh, scary. (laughs) (laughs) So that sets the stage. And I'll be very interested for you to share a few thoughts on the LSAT on the podcast, and then I'll... I'll tell you what my experience was with the, the odious test. Well, I know a lot of your, a lot of your listeners, and certainly other char- characters on this spit here, this rotating cast of characters, yes. are, are, are lawyers, Dave, and yes. and uh, they're all familiar with the LSAT. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got five sections. There are 120 questions, and each of the sections is strictly timed, 35 minutes um, per section, and. Uh, I think I think if we do the math there, there there's uh, 20, 20 to twenty four questions per mm-hmm. section. Um, you have an an- analytic reading, you have reading comprehension, you have logical reasoning. Two different sections on logical reasoning, right? Um, and then you have a write, you have a writing sample that that's not used, uh, but it is sent to your to your uh, law schools. And then there's a variable section, which is the. Uh, they didn't even use the writing sample in scoring the. T- I guess they didn't. It yeah, goes. It, it it's sent, and it, yeah. it, 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 there there are reasons that you should pay attention to it. Right. Um, but it's not part of your score. Right. And uh, the the thing is scaled out on a on a score from one twenty to to one eighty, and it is 
dispositive in some ways. You, if you score below a certain threshold, you're, you're not going to go to school. a competitive law school, certainly. Yeah. So I can give you my memories of the LSAT, and you can yeah. sort of fill in and what you know about it. I mean, it it was a pain in the ass. Uh, it, 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 um, I don't think it's a real predictor of what kind of lawyer you're going to be and and in any in any sense the bar exam's even worse when it comes to that ironically but the LSAT was I guess if nothing else it, it forced you to to show that you were going to take this law school thing seriously by training your brain to be able to accomplish what you needed to accomplish in these various segments of the test so I remember like the but it's weird like the the title of the the episode that we just played uh a clip of Puzzle was Rush, is yeah. called Puzzle Rush, and I remember um, distinctly the Logic Games portion of the test. And the, the Logic Games portion was it would be like um, there are eight people sitting at a table. You know, Bob is sitting next to his brother, or one of his brothers. You know, and then Sally is is sitting you know, directly across from someone with brown hair or whatever. Yep. And they would give you like lots of little... A lot t- of rules. And lot, so, so-and-so right. doesn't, can't be next to so-and-so or else it's going right. to turn into a shit show, right? Ex- exactly. <laughs> and so and so you had to... And then there would be a series of five questions saying, you know... So, so but the, the thing was, y- y- you had to crack the code. You had to figure out like where everybody was sitting at that table or whatever or how, who was on what floor of what building or whatever. Once you cracked it and you, you, you kind of broke down that fact pattern you would breeze through the five questions. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, quote unquote, see it, like if you didn't crack that, then you were probably going to go 0 for 5, which I thought was kind of unfair. Anyway. Right. And, and, that, and they're trying to measure whether, whether you, basically your horsepower, your brains. You know, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a version of a, lot of a lot of tests that are in the psychometrics business. We're measuring your psychological properties. They're trying to do it, and they're, and they're putting the additional factor. This is what, what Gladwell's getting into, is that... that does that matter? Does it matter that you see are able to solve that problem in five minutes versus if you're given a half hour to to, to break down the, the situation, mm-hmm. maybe and then write a brief and a well a well reasoned argument about it? That's a different that, that's a different um, concept. The psychometrician, you know, if you if you were to d- dig deep into the literature, you'd find that there isn't that much variance. That people mm-hmm. that can break things down quickly. All, are also the best at breaking them down over the over the longer period of time. It's just a matter of if they'd spent more time, they would have even had more. Um, they, they would have come up with even deeper thoughts and 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 more complicated ways of of solving that problem or or, or, or insights into the into the solution of that problem. Right. Which you know in in the law there's a you know there's a there's often five, ten, seventeen variables in in an active case. Right. Um, evidence and logic. You have to work through the logic of, of your of of the, of the law as well as the yeah. So can your, your mind case. bend in those various ways? Yeah. yeah, and that's what they're trying to measure. And he's trying to he's trying to make a case for, um, and and he uses it using the metaphor of ch- of chess. And and he, he speaks to the world's number one puzzle puzzle rush player in the world, who is who is a master no, of, what of pu- bullet chess. Puzzle rush is a thing? It's, what a, is- it's, a, chess, it's, it's a chess simulator. It, oh, okay. it, you solve chess problems as quickly as you can. And the, 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 the gentleman that he speaks to is uh, um, Higashi, I believe is his name, is, is the world's number one speed chess player, bullet chess player. That's a, a chess game played in one minute, one as well minute. As, the, as the highest score ever recorded on, on this, this, this bullet chess or, or puzzle, puzzle, puzzle rush. rush game that is open to anyone in the whole wide world and it's it's recorded that guy can't beat the world's best chess players and he can't beat the computer but w- un- unless 
the, the constraints are related to time. Um, but so he, he, you put people on the clock and he's good. This, this is, I remember there were two movies that came out or maybe even more. No, I guess there were two movies that came out that uh, featured the, the art of chess. And I think they both came out in the 80s. One, the obvious one is um, Searching for Bobby Fischer where um, it's the, the movie kind of has the legend of Bobby Fischer kind of cast over the story about the, this young man who is a, a chess prodigy and his, his, his dad, his well-meaning but sometimes intense dad, played by Joe Mantegna. If you've never seen that uh, movie, it's excellent. But, then there, <laughs> but uh, in that movie, uh, I want to say Lawrence Fishburne plays this um, kind of quasi-homeless uh, guy who befriends the young man in the park and becomes a little bit of a mentor and they play speed chess in the park, mm-hmm. which is different than the, you know, the serious, you know, you know, Russian style sit there for a half hour before you move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And there's another, there was another movie called, uh, fresh, which also dealt with the young guy who had, um, a dad, who the character was I think it was probably this I'm, I'm gonna sound like a bigot when I say this I think it was Samuel L. Jackson who a lot of people mistake for Lawrence Fishburne who also played this aging like ch- aging like chess like um champion who fame who, who says you know Bobby Fisher that guy is a good player but you put him on the clock I'll beat that motherfucker too so different mm-hmm. completely different skill yeah, different but um how you know if, if you're a client um do you really want to have that lawyer who said who comes up with his argument, you know, the, the thing that he should have said in, in court uh, the <laughs> in next the day. Said, oh, the I home. wish I'd said that. You know, exactly. that, yeah, everyone has that feeling. That's yeah, a good point. Um, and, and so what you're, what you're measuring, you're measure, measuring two different aspects of the same construct, which is your, your, your ability to solve complicated problems. Right. And solving them quickly is different than solving them over an eight-hour period of time when you're preparing your briefs, which is most of the work that you're going to do as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there's a case for both. There's a case right. for an untimed section. Well, you could also say, sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm, like, sure. like that there are, we need different kinds of lawyers. You know, we need the, the estate planning lawyer who's going to write your will and, and your trust and whatever you need to plan for your future. That person is going to sit down with you and learn a lot about you and then go back and do the research and take time to develop a plan that works for you. You got your courtroom lawyer who has to think on their feet, you know, almost as fast as the speed chess player because especially in the some of the dis- busy district courts there are things happening pretty rapidly some of these um state lawyers have like a stack of like you know 20 cases they have to get through in one morning and they have to remember all kinds of stuff think on their feet so you need both kinds mm-hmm. i guess right? and, and the, the, you know that that relates back to what you know, my personal business with the mcas you know the, st- yeah. <laughs> the 560,000 kids we test every year right. the mcas is an untimed test we let the students sit oh, there. I didn't know that. They, they, okay. can, they can go for seven and a half hours, as long as the school day per session, and it's a two-session test. Um, and that, that's been a factor since the beginning. At first, we, we put that in you know, for the students with disabilities, the English language learners that, that have to work, work things through. We wanted to measure their, you know, whether they could solve the problem, not, not how quickly they could solve it. But um, you know, the teachers and the principals saying, well, I, don't know, I can't have kids taking tests for two whole days right. each time. So they, they, they're interested in seeing a more efficient use of the, of the testing time. Um, we, we're doing a lot of analysis of that. We're going to be presenting some of that at a national conference this week. Um, turns out my, my, my colleague Seema Rathod has, uh, has found that it's an enormous factor in the writing. Mm-hmm. So the, the students with the highest scores, uh, you know, the, you know, 
by far spend the most time. Right. And, this is, and, and the students with the lower scores by far spent the least time mm. on the writing section. On the, on the math, on the, on the things that are a bit more like you know, the multiple choice, the multiple select, some of the technology items that are just quick, um, it doesn't matter. If you're spending a lot of time on those, it's probably because you don't understand them. And, and that, that time may not be best spent. So does Gladwell um, draw some conclusion about whether they all sat as baloney? Or, well, it's, or is a, it's it? a cliffhanger, Dave. He just dropped the first episode, and <laughs> okay. as you know, he likes, he likes to come back to things. Yeah. And I think we're going to hear more uh, beginning next week. Okay. Okay, Gladwell. Yeah, and, and check out his whole library. My, my favorite episode of Revisionist History is the one about Wilt Chamberlain, where... Wilt, um, you know, one of the most prolific scorers of all time in the NBA, was a terrible free throw shooter. One year, one year, one season, decides to shoot underhanded and has his best year shooting. And they get into all kind of interesting things about how the underhanded shot, if a physicist broke broke it down, would conclude is the better way to shoot a free throw. But no one shoots it that way. Higher, and higher percentages, right? Higher percentages, yeah. Just the angle of the ball and everything, but. Wilt um, nonsensically abandoned the underhanded shot the, the next season, even though he had his best season shooting underhanded. And they, I think they came up with no other better reason other than he looked stupid. He was afraid he looked stupid well, doing it. Well, Dave, we, yeah. we recently experienced the tragedy of a uh, Game 7 loss in the in the uh, yeah, Stanley the Cup beast. here. And, and uh, Gladwell, it, uh, along a similar vein, he talks about pulling the goalie. Right. So when, when would oh, you think? Yeah. When would you think? the optimal time would be to pull the goalie down two goals. If you're down two goals. So if you're down two goals, you're desperate, and, uh, and you, but you need time to score both goals. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Forced to choose, I'd say, with four, well, four minutes left. Um, and that, that's probably where the NHL coaches are, yeah. even, even a little less probably. But he says it's 11 minutes and four seconds. Oh, my seconds. God. So for every they, – they break it down. For every 10 seconds that you play with the additional – player on the ice that's what yeah. the, the, the point of pulling your goaltender is to put another another guy out there that can score your your odds of scoring for in each 10 seconds go from 0.65 percent so one goal you know in every hundred less than one in a hundred right. to two percent you increase your chances of scoring a goal by almost three times right problem is you get your, your your goal open the other team has a four has a 4.3 percent chance so it, it, yeah. it quadruples their chance of scoring a goal Right. But you're down two goals. You you need to you need to strike t- yeah. strike Willie, uh, Willie well the yeah yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so so he says that 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 uh, that a, a coach should be pulling their goaltender at, with with a two goal deficit at 11 minutes and, and with a one goal deficit at 5:40. Wow, and um, and yet coaches would be branded crazy if they did that probably because you would also have a lot more blowouts. You, you, you're right. You know, your your two nothing game suddenly is a four nothing or five nothing game, and you just look look like you're inept. Well, yeah, and it would be. It would be just an ugly scene if you like know, Will, like Will Ch- Chamberlain missing an underhanded free throw. Like, oh my <laughs> God, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he looks stupid, and he missed. And like, if you pull the goalie with eleven minutes to go, and all of a sudden your opponent scores an empty netter, and now it's five to two instead of four to two, now it's like oh, good. And everybody's now walking down. Yeah, down. <laughs> forget it. The game's over. But I love that 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 challenging convention thing. And we mentioned Freakonomics later. The What's his name? Dubner, the yeah, Freakonomics guy, was on often the, confused, right? The two of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but but right, Gladwell and this guy. But you know, the free, I think Freakonomics book was the first to challenge conventions, like in in baseball, uh, walking the uh, walking a hitter to to face the pitcher. So you know, in the National League, the pitcher um, not always these days, but typically hits 
ninth. And so if you have a couple guys on base, you got two outs, you're trying to get out of a jam, you're facing the eighth batter in the lineup who's a legit batter, you've got the pitcher on deck who can't hit, just walk him. Walk him, and then you get to the pitcher, and you're probably going to get the pitcher out, and you're going to get out of the inning. But the Freakonomics, if memory serves, the Freakonomics study said that's actually incorrect because the difference, the, the you know, going down to face the, the pitcher may be dramatic, but what's more dramatic is the following inning getting the first out yeah right, the following yeah. inning you've got you've got the um the first out in in many ways i guess could be more important than the the third out because if you don't get that first out you, you set the stage for a potentially huge inning so sure you get to the pitcher but the next inning you got the the leadoff hitter to deal with anyway i always thought I always that that thing's interesting there's also there's also a, i remember reading about a coach in high school yeah, you'd, who, you'd make a good lawyer dave <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i get that law degree it's not doing so much for me right now uh, there's also uh, a coach in high school. I remember reading a story who has never punted ever, and and he's got a great team. And so the question is, uh, is it because he never punts that, but um, or just because he has a great team so they can get away with never well, punting? I, I, I think I it, yeah. in, in the NFL, Dave, the the fifty fifty point where you'd you'd rather have the ball on the twelve yard line. Yep. Um, than your own twelve uh, and your own twelve. Yep. Your chances of scoring versus the other team scoring first. You know, if, you, if you look at all NFL right. situations, once you get past the, it's the 11 and a half yard line. So if you can get the guy inside the 11 yard line, then there's a better chance that you're going to score. But right. unless you're unless you're pinning them inside the 12, the 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 odds are you're punting it away, and the other the other team's going to come down and score under yeah. current offensive conditions in the NFL. Yeah, and how many times have we seen like a, a team like should we go for it? No, 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 no we're not going to go for it. We're going to punt, and then the the punter kicks it right into the end zone. And and you know they the other teams got it to twenty. It's like and then it's they like, march down and they score. Yeah. If they're scoring sixty seven percent of the time. You've just given the ball away. Right. Exactly. Of course, you're going to give it away if, if if you're fourth and and forty. But you know. Right. 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 You need to take a brief break to tell you about the U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com/careers for mail carriers to corporate management. The USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop an advanced career. So its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at the website usps.com careers. It's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today, kids. The website, once again, usps.com slash careers. U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. I think if, we, if they keep supporting the show, I might have a chance to meet Newman. Don't Whoa. you think? Yeah. yeah. You know. Or Ben Franklin. Was Ben Franklin a he, he postal was, carrier? He was the first post, postmaster. How about that? That's right. Postmaster general, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you wanted to also call our attention to a uh, podcast from Sam Harris. I've never heard of this one yeah, either. So. This is, um, Sam Harris, is, he's, he's as deep as it gets, Dave. Um, mm. he, he's uh, probably best known to, to the average listener as, a, uh, a, as an atheist. Um, and he, he's a, Ooh, he's I like a, him already. He's a... <laughs> He he uh, he breaks down, you know, the logic of, of God and the logic the logic of the people that 
the people yeah. that he says wrote the Bible and, and, and the fact that we, you know, we just don't, why, why did all the miracles happen in the old days? Mm. That's that, that stuff is, is interesting, but he's, he's a seeker. He really is. He's not, and he is actually fairly, um, I, I think, I think he'd probably cringe at this, but he, he's, he's very spiritual. And especially in the episode that I, that I would, I would recommend to the listeners, which is called conscious. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's breaking down. What is it? What is it that makes us conscious? What is this 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 essence you know the, yeah. the, that allows us to see each other, hear each other, um, to live in the universe? What would it be like to be a bat, Dave? A what bat? Do you, what do you think it would be like to be a bat? A bat. So if if I'm a bat, I can bats not see. Is that yeah. is that they, they primarily are, are blind. using echolocation? Yeah. Uh, so their their entire sensation is is they, they can sense where objects are by bouncing um, by bouncing sounds off of them and and and, and and calibrating where they are. Yep. It's a completely different sensation. That's, yeah. But it is a, a, a kind of consciousness. Why does, why is there consciousness? And th- he gets, he gets there with, the, um, in the particular podcast that I recommend conscious where he, he's interviewing his wife, which is supremely awkward. <laughs> um, you know, it sort of goes like, like, uh, Sam Alaska, Annika, his wife. Uh, so, Tell me what you think about this. You already know what I think about that, Sam. <laughs> I, like, I know, but uh, pretend I'm the listener. <laughs> yeah, I've got <laughs> a little, kind of thing. Let's take a little bit of that big ones that awkward conversation. Are misleading us in terms of being able to understand consciousness. Right. Well, so so the so free will and, and the self are really two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And then there's the hard problem of consciousness, which is more the focus of your book. Mm-hmm. Although free will and the self come up. So any so you and I are almost the worst people to diagnose this problem because we're really we're totally aligned on our intuitions here and we're fairly mystified by the responses we get from some people on these topics so we've been in some funny circumstances too where we cannot let go of our side of we happen to be in the the same place at an event or dinner where we've encountered someone who has a very different intuition imagine him having dinner with with a (laughs) nuclear (laughs) physicist uh, a quantum physicist and and having conversation with with Sam, who's who's a philosopher, and a he and his wife are not the most dynamic speakers. She sounded like the delicious dish it's, lady. It's, like it's a, meditative, and, and, Dave. You, you coming take, up on the delicious. You have to dish. be in that mood. You, okay. You, um, but what? Well, I like the topic. It's really then, yeah. uh, you know some of the stuff that he gets into that 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 he understands that nobody else that I I've heard in the podcasting in the podcast I listen to or and I read some of this stuff quite a lot of this stuff too, is that you know your your brain. Is 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 a multifaceted organ. You're mm-hmm. you're always reaching a consensus. If you if you separated the two hemispheres of your brain, you'd be, you'd be having arguments with yourself. And your different parts of your brain have have different advice for your body and and what you your ultimate actions. Sometimes your brain has decided what to do before you act, and it, and it's inevitable that you act. There, there are tests where they. Oh yeah, you, you can, I've heard about it's these. Called, it's called precognition. Right. You're not aware that you've made the decision, and your body, your body or your brain has already made the decision about what to do next. He gets into that, and then what does that imply? In this episode, he gets into that. He does, and and because yeah, what, I've heard the, about this theory that there isn't the, the theory that there is no free will. In other words, if I um, I just so I just picked up my phone and I'm holding it in my left hand above my head, and there's a theory that says if you really broke down, um, that I was going to do that 
anyway before I decided to do it? No. How does it go? Mm-hmm. It's something like that. Um, did, did, did you, again, the consensus building, there's a thing called the reticular activating center in the middle of your brain that's taking in all the sounds and sensations, the, the nervous, from every nerve in your body, and it's reaching decisions. But you're not cho- choosing that. You, you Dave, the, you know, the, 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 the rational being that, that, that forms these words, that's a different, that's a different um, component of your brain. Right. And, and often it's predetermined by the by the senses and by your your habits, and th- that you would have to spend a lot of time. It's called mindfulness, where you where you start to break down. Like, yeah, basically, why do I right. Break, my my hand, my hand. The theory is my hand actually was picking up the phone before I my brain made the decision. I think to pick I'm going to pick up phone. my phone, and then right. you, you tell yourself I, I chose to do that. Yeah, but you but your brain but How your body be, chose. Though? Well, that. <laughs> Tune into the podcast, right. Dave, and, and you'll, you'll. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, I mean, other. I got to say, it, when you're trying to break a habit, it, it's useful to think this way, right? And and if you if you want to, you know, if you want to change your personality, which you can do, yeah. it's hard. It, it takes a, it takes a, a, a lot of mindfulness. That's the kind of insights in the in the cognitive science world that that I find useful from Sam Harris, and he's supremely rationalist. That's the thing, and what they get into, he's open to, and both he and Annika are open to this idea of called panpsychism, mm-hmm. and that's the idea that that there's awareness that possibly matter is even aware mm-hmm. of 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 other matter. Um, Dave, do you Pan, think panpsychism, panpsychism is yeah strangest airline I've like, ever flown. Panpsychism, like that was, every was, cell. You know, Dave, do you know how many cells there are in your body? Uh, approximately a lot. Uh, uh, Seven thousand and forty-three. Sixty-five trillion. Okay, that's more okay. than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to change your uh, liver right now. Just you know, start processing that coffee in a different way. You know, you're, you have no ability to control that. Right? Well, uh, the the Dwight Schrute character on The Office claimed that that he could um, protrude his 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 and then retract his veins in his arm. Could be similar. Mm-hmm. No, There's I'm being, some, I'm some things silly, you can do. Yogis, yogis yeah. specialize in it. They they spend months or even years, and they can control one thing that otherwise had been. They can control their heart rate. They can control their breathing yeah. more. You know, you, but yeah. You, and that's you, what that guy Yogi Kudu, who was mm-hmm. on the TV show That's Incredible in the '70s, he used to be able to put himself into this. But oh, it gave me the creeps. He he mm-hmm. could contort himself into this cube, the the size of a mini fridge. And just be in there for like ten minutes, and uh, oh my god, it, it, just watching it made me uh, more claustrophobic than I already was. Yeah, so he, the, you can do little tricks, and that's I imagine that's what D- David Blaine, the magician and and you know performance art guy or whatever he calls himself. You know, he suspends himself above whatever for like a week, or he puts himself in the ground, you know, lying there in a translucent box for, and he he's, he he always. Uh, he will. He admits that he. It's not magic. That he has just practiced doing these things, mm-hmm. and so there are. So you're saying yeah. there are things you can do, and there but, are. And if yeah. you want to control your mind more, this is probably the way. Yeah. to This is the podcast for you. Okay. And and yet you, <laughs> yet you mentioned that if it, if it gets too deep, we have some comic relief sort of on the subject, right, Bob? Yeah. Deep thoughts. Uh, I think I think should go with a deep deep rhythm. Maybe a deep beatbox, Dave. Okay. So it, you have to. So you <laughs> so, you you turned me so on to this video. Think, so you need to tell. We're about to play a, a lot, viral video. I which think is every, everybody's hilarious. gone to a party and they've they've grabbed one of the helium balloons and they've uh, right. they breathe them. They, and they their voice comes up like this, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, Willie whistle. Yeah. No, not not every gas is uh, lighter than air. You know, there there are some gases. Uh, sulfur hexafluoride, for instance. Like there it, we what go. Would happen? 
What might happen? Right, slow down there, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, what might happen is we might find a video with these two dudes who... who yeah, so these two dudes... This video that's been viewed five million times or something. Five point seven. Five point seven million times. They the one dude can beatbox, meaning the I can't do it as well as he. Mm-hmm. But um and but the the goof here is that they have some of this gas. And so what you're about to hear is re- I assume it's yeah. real. If you take a take a hit of sulfur hexafluoride, you too can yeah. speak it like, like this. So let's listen you, to Yeah, let's, let's take a listen because it's and wild. I promise you, none of this audio is edited. As far as I know, this is the first ever <laughs> beatbox with Silver Axe of Florida. First ever. The world's first. <laughs> so Figure putting it into a balloon. Hey, but before you do it, doesn't it feel weird? Like hold it the does. balloon. It doesn't go up, it goes down. It's, it's a lead zeppelin. Like wow. it. It's weird. Yeah. Good call there, bro. Oh boy. Oh my, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! This is nightmare! This is insane! This is real life! Isn't that crazy? This is this real life! I know! <laughs> that so is gnarly. so sick! That is so gnarly! <laughs> that sounds just like way deeper. So he's freaking out. Voice, that was we went his, like yeah. down here. That, that is like an actual dub. Now you and I can do that. <laughs> Right. That's crazy. Some deep thoughts. There. That is. <laughs> oh my god, it's still. still my voice is still in there. It's, it's I mean, it sounds like um what does it what does it sound like? Not not Darth Vader. It's 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 far more I feel like there have been fictional villains that that that, that. You can always slow the tape yep. down, Dave, and do this. Yeah, I know. It's, in the editing studios. That this, yeah. this you can do. I, I that that canister of gas, I I, I looked at it on uh, on the internet. It's mm-hmm. gonna be like two hundred and thirty bucks. So and, and there are some risks with the sulfur hexafluoride. There, there are a couple of impurities in there. You you could be, you know, doing a little damage to your liver. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, go out and get some now, kids. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I was that was my next question: is can you actually get it? And so I'm surprised you can actually get it. That I mean, I imagine that sound that like this podcast, it's unregulated at the moment. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! And I assume I mean that's the only purpose for it to make your boys sound like that. But it, it yeah, jeez, it's it's freaky. I mean, they should. You know what they should do? They sh- they should have like uh, you know how you have the lunch trucks out on the streets of Boston now. <laughs> have a truck where you could go just uh, mess with your voice. You know, I'd pay ten bucks to do that and, and maybe beatbox a little bit. Anyway, um, so we're up against the clock here, Bob. Yeah. Had you had some some pods that we didn't even get to, but that's cool because you'll be back. I hope Ooh. and. Um, and uh, just to review, let's see. We talked about Star Talk, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sam Harris, Making Sense is the name of that podcast. Radio Lab's been around for a while, terrific podcast. But Bob recommended the Psych Research um, episode of that. Pessimist Archive is a, a sleeper that Bob discovered. Check out the coffee episode. Malcolm Gladwell, Revisionist History, and there'll be more the next time Bob rejoins us on the podcast. Police. Thanks, Dave. F- final thoughts, my friend. How does Dave, it feel? How does it feel to be a member I, of the I, cast of characters? I, I consider you to be a pioneer as, as Boston's first and and best daily podcaster. Oh, you're the best. Okay, fine. I'll have you back, Bob Lee, the great Bob Lee. Um, he's a math whiz, as, as you can tell, analyst, numbers guy, and uh, all around super cool dude and podcast enthusiast. Thanks for being here. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, the U.S. Uh, Postal Service. 
go to usps.com backslash careers and check out everything they have there. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or a colleague. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff, and visit us at our Westwood Studios. Pod617.com is where you go to find out how to get started. You could have your own podcast. On behalf of Bob Lee, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. You must be the other guy.